went, uh, I went looking for my grave this week. Turns out, if you go looking on the internet for yourself in grave form, if you go to a findyourgrave.com or findagrave.com and you type in your own name, it's entirely possible, depending on how common your name is, that you're out there somewhere. And it's, uh, it's an interesting thing. I'm thinking, I didn't think Jordan Bird was that popular of a name or that people, there aren't that many people naming their children Jordan until maybe in the last 40 years, you know, it hasn't been that common of a name. Uh, but I found, I found a lot of people who were awfully close. I assure you it wasn't me. But I found, I found a lot who were awfully close. There was a Jordan Dean Bird who died in 1994 and is buried in Columbia County, Indiana. There was, and this was, this was a little too close to home, this was a startling one, Jordan Scott Bird uh, died in infancy in 1986 and is buried in Granbury, Texas. So this child, this Jordan Bird, was just on the other side of the Dallas Metroplex from me and just two years separated, uh, that child passed away. That's awfully close and a little eerie. There's a J.H. Bird, 1907, in Vandalia, Missouri, and a, this is strange, J. Harry Bird, 1954 in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, I'm Jordan Harris Bird. My grandfather, not joking, his given name was Harry Bird, uh, the poor man. And, uh, and so... Kind as they were, uh, my parents just went with uh, Harris and as the middle name, uh, not as a first name. Thank you both. I appreciate that. Uh, if you saw one of those graves, you might be for just a second confused and wondering who you're running into uh, there, and I assure you it's not me. It's just someone who sounds and looks like me. Now, I contend for you today that while there are many people worshiping false and wrong gods out there in the world, it's entirely possible that you've been worshiping someone you call Jesus Christ, but you've not been worshiping the real God. And so what I'm going to do today is share for you who this God says He is in Scripture, and let's take a moment and consider the false gods that we worship, no matter what we call them. Today we're going to be looking in Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, right at the beginning of the last book of the Bible. If you're following along with me in the Pew Bibles, the one I'm reading out of, it's on page 1089. So page 1089 in that Pew Bible in front of you, or Revelation chapter 1, starting in verse 4. John the Apostle is exiled on an island, and he's sitting there on a deserted island. He's sent there because he's preaching the gospel and people are trusting Christ, and it's disrupting society. So they send him out to quench the Spirit and let him die. But as Revelation chapter 1 says here, he is there and he is worshiping the Lord in the Spirit on the Lord's day, just as we're doing. And he sees this vision of who the true God is. I'm going to pray and let's read it. Father God, I thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. Now help us to open our eyes and to believe you and to believe in you as you have revealed yourself to us. This I pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. John, to the seven churches in Asia, grace and peace to you from the one who is, who was, and who is to come and from the seven spirits before His throne, and from Christ Jesus, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. 
to Him who loves us and has set us free from our sins by His blood and has made us a kingdom, priests to His God and Father, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Look, He is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn over Him. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, the one who was and who is and who is to come, the Almighty. This is the word of the Lord for us. Do you know this God? I have come to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I hope you have too. But let's talk about how He describes Himself, how God is described here. First of all, Jesus is described as the one who loves us, who has set us free from our sins by His blood. The real Jesus Christ has loved us. He is the one who loves us. Perhaps you believe in a God who can only love you if you do the right thing. Perhaps you believe in a God who can forgive small sins, but if you did something big, I mean, how could He ever love you? Perhaps the God you call Jesus Christ is only able to forgive little things. He's only able to forgive small things, but the big things in your life, I don't know about that. It's been a long time since Adam and Eve sinned. And what did they do after they sinned? They went into hiding. They tried their best to cover their shame and to hide out from this God. It's been a long time since Adam and Eve, but is it possible that you don't believe this God loves you and when you've sinned, the first thing that you do is try to go into hiding from Him, not believing that He actually loves you and wants to forgive you? This God comes to us just as He came to Adam and Eve and says, where are you? Come to me. This God has loved you. The true God, the true Jesus Christ, is better than the false one that we create who only accepts people who are goodish. Perhaps you're able to say, yeah, 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 I know I'm a sinner. But you can't point to any real sin in your life because you've not taken a clear look at yourself. And if doing that would mean you suddenly go into a panic and don't believe this God really loves you, then you don't know Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the one who has loved us through all things, above all things, in spite of our sins. He is the one who came and died for our sins even before we were born, before we were conceived to be tempted to even think about sinning and then go sinning. Christ already decided that He was going to pay for your sins. This is the God who has loved you. He wants good for you, and He wants you to come to Him. I want you to know that the true God is a God who loves us. Second, the true God is the God who has set us free from our sins. Now, the false God, well, He didn't really set you free from sins. He just kind of helped you keep them quiet. You know, the false God, the false gospel that we give is that we're not really free from sin. Temptation comes like it always has, and well, you know, you're just a man, and so you struggle with temptation, but let's keep it quiet at least. 
See, the false God, He helps you sweep it under the rug. He helps you keep it quiet or keep it under wraps. A song that I thought of when I was thinking about the true God on this who sets us free from our sins made me think of the 90s Christian group, Cademan's Call, the leader of which sang in a song called, I Repent. He sang, I repent. I repent of parading my liberty. I repent of paying for what I get for free. I repent for the way that I believe that I am living right by trading sins for others that are easier to hide. I was wrong, and I repent. See, the real God isn't a God who helps us simply be quieter about our sins, continue to engage in them, but just try to keep it from hurting anyone around us. No, the real God is a God who sets us free from the power of sin and death. If you're still living like a slave, then you don't know the real God. Because the real God has set you free from sin. That's what this God has done. Listen, we all still struggle with sin. Temptation will continue in your life until the day you die. We will struggle over temptation so long as we live in this world and until we are perfected. The old nature still remains in there and it tempts us, but we, make no mistake, are no longer slaves to sin. When that temptation comes, you have the chains of slavery broken, and you have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Do not go quietly into sinning whenever temptation arises in your life. Do not feel temptation come in your heart and go, well, I guess I'm going to sin again. Not if you know the true God who sets people free from sin. Then go straight to Him, not after the sinning, but before it, to say, Jesus, give me strength. I know that you have said you have set us free from sin, so I'm struggling. Give me strength. If you, listen, we're tempted, we struggle with sin, and we will till Christ returns. And you may sin again. You may well fall into sin again in your life. But I tell you today that the alcoholic who is here today can because of the freedom of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, go from this day until the day they die without taking another sip. I tell you that the adulterer who is here today can, no matter what they've done in the past, go from this day to the day they die by the strength of the Spirit and by the freedom of Christ, being faithful all the rest of the days who they are in Christ. I tell you today that the gambling addict who has squandered their own family and hurt everyone around them by their addiction, by the freedom of Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, can go from this day until the day they die without that sin again. I want you to know the true God today who has set us free from sin. We are no longer slaves to it. It's still a struggle for us. And when the temptation comes upon you, let's say today, Don't go into this temptation as a slave to it, but go to this as a free person who says, no, now I obey Jesus Christ as Lord. To Him who loves us and who has set us free from our sins by His blood, I tell you that the true God is the God who has set us free by the shedding of His own blood. 
He is the God who paid a price for our freedom. The false God is the God who doesn't treat sin seriously. The false God is the God who doesn't take sin seriously. I mean, the only reason you would struggle against sin, the only reason you would try to turn away from it in your life and live righteous is because you knew it was serious. The false God sweeps it under the rug for you. If you're worshiping the false God, you go, well, you know, I'll, I'll go ask forgiveness later for this. The, the false God only has a very cheap grace to hand to you, but the, free, the real God, the true God, He gives the grace freely, but that doesn't mean it wasn't costly. Our freedom was purchased by His blood shed on the cross for us. Another song it's Andrew Peterson's. The song is called His Heart Beats. You'll remember Andrew Peterson's very popular Easter album from a few years ago, and the song we've listened to together called Is He Worthy, in which the singer sings, is he worthy? And the choir responds, he is, he is, he is. That same album begins with, an album, uh, with a song called His Heart Beats. And the song imagines that moment of resurrection when Christ was dead in the grave and then Christ is alive in the grave, and the song begins, His heart beats, His blood begins to flow, waking up what was dead a moment ago. His heart beats, and now everything has changed because the blood that brought us peace with God is racing through His veins. His heart beats. The God we worship is a God who is alive who was and who is and who is to come, and He is a God who purchased our freedom by His blood. Revelation chapter 5, in just a couple of verses, they're going to worship the Lamb. All the saints who are there in heaven, all the elders, everyone circled around, they're going to worship the Lamb, and they're going to worship Him. Chapter 5, verse 9, you are worthy, they say to Jesus Christ, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seal because you were slaughtered. And you purchased people for God by your blood from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation, and you made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign forever on the earth. He has set us free that we remember the great cost that He paid for our freedom is not because we want to go on a guilt trip every day of our life. No, He has loved us. He's not coming into your life to make you feel bad all the time. But rather, let us be really clear on the cost of our sins, and let us not go glibly on sinning in our life, but let us repent. This God is a God who takes sin seriously. And He will take sin seriously again when He returns to judge the world. Let us not go quickly to our temptations, and let us not simply presume upon the grace of God saying, well, you know, it's going to be what it is today, and I'll, Jesus will forgive me later. Let us not treat His grace as if it's cheap, as if the price He paid were nothing. To Him who loves us, who has set us free from our sins by His blood, and has made us into a kingdom. The real God is a God who has drawn us together and made us into a people and a kingdom. The false God is the God of, I do what I want. The false God is the God of, I'm an independent person. I don't need y'all. I don't care what you have to say. I do what I want. Perhaps you worship the false God of sheer independence. Since we're doing songs today, 
There is a song about being alone and by yourself by Simon and Garfunkel. Do you know that one? I am a rock is what they sing. I built walls, a fortress deep and mighty that none may penetrate. I have no need for friendship. Friendship causes pain. It's laughter and it's loving I disdain. I am a rock. I am an island. And it's a great song because the whole song is uh, internally ironic about how foolish that attitude is. They know it themselves. But we let ourselves get away with thinking this sometimes. We let ourselves thinking, God has called me, I'm his, not them. We go around thinking like the disciples when in Mark chapter 9, Jesus' disciples, Jesus, there are other people out there performing miracles in your name. We told them to stop, and we couldn't, which is ironic in itself that they're the ones who have been empowered, and yet they have no power to stop these people over here from spreading the gospel. And what does Jesus say? No, don't stop them. They're not against you, they're for you, and they're doing this in Christ's name is what Jesus tells them. God, not us, it's God who decides who is in His kingdom, and He decides well, and He has let you in. See, God is the one who calls us and makes us into a kingdom, and He doesn't choose the ones who are most fierce and independent, and He hasn't chosen you to simply be alone by yourself and tell everybody else they can do whatever they want to, but I'm going to do what I want to do. But God has chosen you to knit you together into a kingdom, into a family, into a people of God. So for us, the application is this. When it comes to how we greet other people in the name of the Lord, He who is making us into a kingdom has received us, so He will receive them as well. When it comes to others who are coming to trust Christ, do not call unclean what God has made clean. Don't be quick to abandon the congregation if you don't get your way. We all don't get our way sometimes, but He has brought us together to make us His kingdom. Do not abandon the congregation because you didn't get your way. Rather, make room for other people. Rather, draw others close. If you worship the true God, then let love cover a multitude of sins because this is what He has done for you. If you worship the true God, then don't give up and run away when friendships get difficult or strained, but rather go and do the hard work of creating resolution, of being forgiveness, and of finding the joy of mended, long-going relationships and friendships within the kingdom of Christ. God calls us each one individually, one at a time. You come to the Lord on your own but then He knits you into His kingdom, to His glory. To Him who loves us, who has set us free from sin by His blood to make us a kingdom, priests to His God and Father forever. Priests, we are called. Priests to His God and Father forever. See, the false God is the God who the priests go to that God for you. The false God is one who elected somebody else to be a representative for you. So when you need to go and get right with this God, you have to go to the priest. You don't go to the God. No, 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 no. You're not up for that. You have to go to the priest. If you have an offering or a sacrifice you'd like to take to the false God, what you do is you have to take it to somebody else first, the priest who will take it off your hands for you and then turn around and give it to the God. This is, in fact, how God operated with Israel, but that was never His plan long-term with Israel. God was always at work doing this one thing, 
creating a singular high priest who would take God's people by the hand and not be their intermediary, but would take their hand and bring their hand to God's hands and join them together. See, we don't have somebody who needs to go between for us. We don't have to go and pray to the saints. We don't need to go find somebody else who has more cred with God on our behalf. This God has called you a priest. That is, you're the one who is the go-between for other people to take their hands and to draw their hands to God. To be a priest in the kingdom of heaven doesn't mean you're the go-between forever, but you're the one who goes between to gather others up and bring them to know this God. And we do this all underneath the power and supervision of the one great high priest, Jesus Christ. If God Himself is the priest drawing us into relationship with God, then it is our joy to go and speak directly to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all day and every day. This is the true God who has drawn you directly into His own presence, not through an intermediary. You don't need an agent. You don't need someone to negotiate on your behalf. This is Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has done it. This is the God who is coming. This is what this says, verse 7. Look, He is coming. Everyone will mourn over Him. There will be many people who have chosen to worship wrong gods, who have perhaps even used the name Jesus Christ, but not worshiped the true Jesus Christ, have created a God of their own making and tried to use the same name for Him. Not you. Let us believe the real God as He has declared Himself to us. Let us rejoice at His coming and not grieve. To be sure, there will be many who grieve. But let it not be us. And instead, let us go and be His messengers to share the gospel along with our missionaries and friends that God will accept everyone into His kingdom. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the God who started it all. He's going to bring it about to conclusion. Who do you think is running things right now? Who do you think is running things in the world? Is it great, great men, great people? Is it politicians? I hope not. Is it the best and the brightest? You remember that phrase, the best and the brightest. Is it the best and the brightest? Is they running things? The elites. I hope we have good politicians in America, and I hope we have good men, and I hope we have some best and some brightest in the world, and that our elites are excellent. But it is God who brings people into authority and takes them out. It is He who judges all the nations. It is He who is steering the course of the world. The Alpha who created it is the Omega, who will bring it to an end at just the right time and bring about eternal life for all those who believe in Him. This God is the Almighty. And what John does here, having declared who this real God is, verse 6, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. There is nothing to do but to believe this God, to become His servant and offer your life to Him, and then now to worship Him with John. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. To Him who loves us, who has set us free from our sins by His blood, who has made us a kingdom and priests to His God forever. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's worship this Jesus Christ together today.